We all know the story. Mild-mannered high school student Peter Parker is bitten by a radioactive spider and is transformed into New York's greatest superhero, the amazing Spider-Man. In 2002, Sam Raimi brought the wall crawler to the big screen for the first time, changing Marvel's credibility on the big screen forever and launching one of the most profitable franchises in film history. Today, we're going to discuss the original Raimi action masterpiece in honor of the new Spider-Man movie coming out this Friday. So without further ado, I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast, coming at you live, sort of, from Hollywood, California. <laughs> Today's episode is super special for a number of reasons, obviously. Yeah, yeah, big, 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 uh, big fun here today. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Monday night right now, we're recording this. Uh, we just got to LA, I guess, like six hours ago, uh, and we're, we're having a lot of fun. We got to go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, we <laughs> checked out a really cool Probably the coolest music movie shop I've ever been to called Amoeba. Uh, we got Connor got a couple things. We're definitely gonna double back uh, <laughs> before we leave, and you know we've got we got a fun couple days planned out uh, as we as we just kind of venture out and do some things we've always wanted to do. Go to the Academy of Motion Pictures, uh, the museum, and uh, go to Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema Theater. Probably gonna go see Licorice Pizza. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, this is a long time coming. This is a big deal for us. And we're so excited to be able to do this uh, and record a podcast in Los Angeles. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're probably going to probably going to do another one out here because it's just fun. You know, it's fun to do these. Uh, you and I very rarely get to do them in person together. So yep. we're usually, you know, using Zoom and doing them over the phone, uh, computer, whatever. So this is this is really special. Absolutely. And with Spider-Man No Way Home coming out on Friday, we decided to just do full blown Spider-Man week on all of our shows. Yeah. And Filmgasm got Spider-Man 2002, uh, one of my favorites. It's the best. It's the best live <laughs> action one. So it feels right to kind of kick off the week doing this. And then on Oscar Sunday, we're going to do uh, Spider-Verse from 2018. And then, of course, sneak preview. We'll cover the new one. So, yeah, yeah, it just feels right to do this one. You know, um, we haven't covered any Spider-Man movies before on any podcast. So I think we were kind of waiting for this this weekend, this this week, this day to kind of shed light on. And, and yeah, to me, it's the best one. The 2002 one, Sam Raimi is my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Yeah, we so rarely ventured into superhero films. Mm. Uh, we did Batman Returns last Christmas, but that was more because it was a Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, we like to kind of keep it weird on Filmgasm and superhero movies while fun are kind of, you know, I don't want to say predictable, but pretty mainstream. But this was just too too big to ignore. Uh Spider-Man. It's a film that's definitely at least partially responsible for my love of superheroes. I saw this movie when I was seven and never looked back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, we're, we were both born in the same year, so I was seven as well. This is this and Parts of the Caribbean and the Curse of Black Pearl were the first two PG-13 movies <laughs> that I was able to go like go see in theaters, and it was no big deal with like my parents and everything. Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget that. I've owned them ever since, right? You know, they're just super special. But it's not just that. Like, there are movies that I, I adore from, like, being a kid. Movies like Space Jam and shit like that. This movie fucking rocks. <laughs> and rewatching it, you know, with the intentions of talking about it uh, today on the podcast for you guys, 
it's a great, great movie. Like it's a, it's like a through and through nine for me. It's not yeah. even like a, oh, it's it's an eight just because I like it. It's from my childhood and I, it holds holds a special place. It has all that, but it's also really good. Every supporting performance is like ten out of ten, and and I really like Tobey Maguire as as Spider Man as Peter Parker more. So uh, I, this movie rocks. Spider Man Two rocks just as much. So <laughs> it's just it's a lot of fun. Raimi's Raimi's trilogy in my eyes, even though three slips up, just can't be touched uh, by the other Spider-Man movies. There's just not really a way to capture that kind of rawness of it. And the fact that it came out almost 20 years ago is like, yeah, just just nothing really compares. And I like, uh, you and I were just watching uh, the first Tom Holland Spider-Man on uh, in our hotel as we were kind of planning out this this episode. Um, I like, I like, I like those, but... There's something about this Spider-Man that he's on his own. I just really, really like. He's on a journey of his own. It's, it gets dark. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, if you like the Garfield movies and the Holland movies, that's great. But yeah. something about those films always feels like they're playing catch-up mm. to this one. And I, I don't know what it is. If Raimi just captured it perfectly. He captured the, the Spider-Man struggle, you know, photographer trying to make money in New York while also trying to save everybody, but, you know, at the cost of his personal life. Mm. It just feels more real with with these movies, uh, and that's fantastic. And New New York in those movies is oh. just bonkers. New York's a character, yeah, like, straight up. Yeah, we love New York movies. You, you know, you know. Of course, if you love movies, you love New York movies. And, and Spider Man, especially this first one, just really captures kind of the the dark underbelly of it in a really cool way that I I, I don't see the other movies kind of going for. I, this one feels again more more raw, more authentic. And just kind of true to, true to what Spider Man is, which is a guy who doesn't really know who his parents are, has lived with his you know aunt uncle, and his uncle passed away. It's just like it's really dark. His his way of coming up into his own, and he's on that journey. The whole trilogy, Raimi's trilogy, is on his own. I think that's kind of the the you know most likable aspect of Spider Man. He is a very similar origin story to like Batman. You know, he loses somebody like he loves. He's responsible for it. His girlfriend dies. It is like partially because of him, but he never lets it get him down. He always is upbeat and optimistic and doing the right thing. And I think that's what makes him so, you know, easy to idolize. Such a great character to look up to. Yeah, he's he's my favorite comic book character of all time. Like, of course, I love, you know, these movies, but the idea of Spider-Man is so cool to me. I love I love Batman, you know, I really like Superman. I like like I like everybody, you know. I have yeah. I have I have there's stuff I like about every character. The Iron Man, Thor, you know, all those people. Yeah. But Spider-Man, you know, it's partly because of his age, you know, he's really young. I like that about him. Uh and like you're pointing out, those those kind of humanistic factors that that play into it. I really dig that. It's relatable. I feel like in a different reality, I could be a Spider-Man, you know. I feel yeah. like we all can feel like we can attain that there's other characters not so much like i who can really be tony stark <laughs> who can really be bruce wayne you know uh, yeah. but but peter parker is a guy that we feel we all feel a little bit it's like in us and i, I love that about him not to get too ahead of ourselves but you know into the spider-verse had that kind of message of like mm. anyone can be spider-man all you have to do is care yeah do the right thing yeah 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 beautiful beautiful uh before we get too much into Spider-Man, I do have one quick update on the rewind. Uh, once again, we're updating our past episode on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A lot of chainsaw stuff happening lately. 
Gun Interactive, the company behind the Friday the 13th game, launched a teaser trailer for an upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre game starring iconic horror legend Kane Hodder as Leatherface. Uh, he's going to be doing mocap as Leatherface. Uh, he did mocap to play Jason in the Friday the 13th game. And uh, this looks interesting. Uh, next year's looking like Leatherface's year. Uh, hopefully they don't <laughs> fuck it all up. It's a, a video game. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going to happen? You, you just got to escape Leatherface? Probably, yeah. Or are you playing as Leatherface? And you're I, just destroying everything that I, comes into your path. I imagine it's going to be a lot like the Friday the 13th game where like, some people play as the victims and somebody plays as Jason. Okay. That kind of thing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Just ruining Texas. Yeah. <laughs> right. With that and Fetty Alvarez's new movie that's finally happening on Netflix, mm. next year's going to be a big Leatherface year. Uh, I hope it all works out. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, as fans, you know, that's all we can hope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's enough of that. Spider-Man <laughs> was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, made his first appearance in Marvel Comics in 1962 in Amazing Fantasy number 15, a copy of which recently sold at auction for $3.6 million. So if you have one of those, hold on to it. <laughs> yeah, or sell it right now for $3.6 million. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's crazy. He's since become one of the most popular and iconic comic book characters of all time, kind of the face of Marvel Comics, which is funny because originally uh, nobody wanted it. Stan Lee couldn't sell Spider-Man. Everyone was like, this sounds stupid. He hid it in an X-Men comic. For the guy to look at, and, he's, and the guy accidentally started reading Spider-Man. He's like, you know what? This isn't bad. <laughs> and there you go. I love that. Yeah, love those stories of, you know, <laughs> pop culture where something that wasn't supposed to be all of a sudden, you know, years, you know, 40, 50 years later, it, it is, and it's flourishing, and has now, over over two decades, had the most movies made about him out of anybody. Yeah. Yeah, this keeps getting, uh, they keep... Starting from scratch with Spider-Man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess Spider-Man and Batman are at the top of the totem pole with the most movies made about them uh, over the past two decades. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you'd think Superman would be up there, but they can't seem to get that right. Yeah, they, they, unfortunately, you know, I've had a couple of slip-ups, right, where it's like the fans just can't for, forgive it. You know, <laughs> at, at least with Spider-Man, you have uh, the Raimi. That's a, that was. Oh, okay. This had, this is real. And the Garfield ones are mixed reviews. And with, with Batman, it's like it came off Begins in 2005, blew everybody's minds, and Dark Knight, which, of course, just shattered everything. And and that that's huge. When you have that as a start, you can make those mess-ups in between. Yeah. And, and then, you know, come full circle. <laughs> well, it looks like Spider-Man's in a really good place right now with the Spider-Verse film uh, being a huge hit and that getting a sequel, and then No Way Home kind of bringing all of it full circle, including the the uh, Raimi villains and the, the villains from the Garfield movies. Like this is, it's a good time to be a Spider-Man fan. For sure. For sure. And, and it's, it's cool because it's bringing everybody together. Uh, I think Marvel movies are, you know, obviously are dominant, but this is the one I think, I think it's going to be an event at the theater. I think a lot of people are going to go. A lot of people are going to get their asses out of their couch, off their couches and go, go to the theater, which is a big deal. Right. I think with uh, the movies we've seen over the past year with them, you know, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals. There's been pockets of fans. This is, like, for everybody. And that's a good feeling. That's It It really, we haven't had that since Endgame. And yeah. that's cool. That's cool to have that back. It's been a long time since we had an event film like this that was going to break records. Because, mm. you know, obviously last year there was COVID, and then this year it's been steadily, you know, steady going, getting back to the box office, getting back to regular numbers. But this thing's projected to make 200 mil opening weekend. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I can't wait. I know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly which day I'm going to see it, but I am going to see it this, this upcoming weekend, and I, I can't wait. <laughs> so, after a 30-year journey, including suggested treatments from Roger Corman, an 80s attempt starring Tom Cruise as Spider-Man, Bob Hoskins as Doc Ock, Catherine Hepburn as Aunt May, and Stanley himself as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. This was the 80s attempt. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I want that movie so bad. <laughs> if I could have... I mean, that's, that's risky business, Tom Cruise, you know? And, and that's on Golden Pond. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn. If I, if I could have that, I think I would give up a lot, a lot of <laughs> Spider-Man movies to have that. That, that would be so fascinating. But how in the 80s, how would it work with Spider-Man? He's such a tough character to film because yeah. you have so much going on, the webs and the usage of... He's, he's a high-flying high character and is all over the place and requires requires technology to, to really pull it off, which is why the Sam Raimi ones are so incredible. It's 20 years old, and they still look amazing. But I, 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 wonder, I wonder what this would have done to Tom Cruise's career, right? Uh, how it would have changed because he, he, you know, he was a star already, but being in a, being in a superhero movie. Well, just, being a superhero movie now is, is big back then, but back then yeah. not so much. And it got ruined, right? It got <laughs> ruined by other superhero movies. Like yeah. we, we, they movies like Spider-Man and dark Knight and the Incredibles, like those had to happen for it to be cool again. Well, you can thank the colossal failure of Superman for the quest for peace. That's what killed the 80s Spider-Man movie. Yeah, yeah. Probably for the best. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and yeah, at that time, it was not not cool. Those comic book nerds were nerds. Yeah. And now they're at the forefront. Yeah, I think, you know, Tim Burton's 89 Batman movie went a long way towards getting superhero movies a little respect. Yeah. But it wasn't until, like, I'd say Blade and X-Men. Yeah. Uh, that really made them successful. Yeah, right, because you have, yeah, yeah, you have Batman uh, and Batman Returns. Both both did well in pretty niche movies though, and, and yeah. definitely have definitely have their audience. And then you have those Schumacher ones that just boom, you know, <laughs> things go things go back downhill. And then yeah, Blade is a cool ass movie, X Men's a cool ass movie, and then from there we we just kind of started mastering it here yeah. in America. And then Spider Man grossed eight hundred million box office, and suddenly there was a new subgenre in town. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. So there was that. There was the Corman attempt the 80s attempt and then in the 90s james cameron had a treatment where i don't know what the fuck he was smoking but he changed so much uh he wanted arnold schwarzenegger as doc ock in a goofy catchphrase he kept saying okie dokie more on that uh towards the end of the show i have a whole thing devoted to that weird ass treatment yikes uh so after all that shit spider-man finally made it to the big screen in 2002 with sam raimi at the helm and Sam Raimi was chosen mainly because he's an avid comics collector. He's got over 25,000 comic books. Um, so he knew, like, he, he wanted to do this right, which is good. He stuck pretty much by the book. Yeah, God. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a wonderful filmmaker in his own right without, without the Spider-Man movies. But choosing someone like him, taking that plunge with someone like him, who's a unique filmmaker at the time already, uh, and then has got, you know, I mean, to me, what he does right after Spider-Man, Drag Me to Hell, is one of his best <laughs> efforts ever. And, and I, I love that they chose someone like him who's just passionate. You know, it, it goes to show if you choose guys like him, you know, James Gunn, these guys who just give a shit. They just give a shit about yeah. about the nerds, about the culture, 
about doing it properly and making that making that cool. I, I really respect that, and it worked out. It worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, everyone fucking won for this one. Uh, Sam Raimi is the iconic director be- behind the Evil Dead franchise, obviously, as well as Drag Me to Hell, Dark Man, A Simple Plan, and Oz the Great and Powerful. He's set to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in 2022, so he's going back to the comic book well. Very excited to see what he does with Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, are you kidding me? He clearly, you know, uh, there's the Jameson joke where in, in Spider-Man 2 where he's like, calls Doc Ock Doctor Strange, Jameson does. Like, he clearly has this just affinity for everything Marvel, everything comics. And to see that come back around to, yeah, a master of, of the craft. Oh, gosh. So cool. That 2016 one's already awesome, but Doctor Strange. But this is this is going to be, to me, tenfold better. Yeah. It's got a guy like him in charge. Yeah, look out. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the cast of this thing. Tobey Maguire plays Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man. Maguire was also in Seabiscuit, The Cider House Rules, Wonder Boys, Pleasantville, The Great Gatsby, and of course, the two Spider-Man sequels. Uh, to many, the definitive Spider-Man. Uh, me, me, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I, it's hard to pick for me. I love, I love pretty much all three of these guys. Uh, Maguire, Garfield, and Holland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I think they all have their own their own things. I think Holland has the best balance of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah. I think Garfield was a great Spider-Man. I'm not sure if he's a great Peter Parker. I think Toby was a wonderful Peter Parker and a decent Spider-Man. Yeah. Toby has... He's always going to have... I mean, yeah, he had th- three movies that did really well. And he's always going to have those those fans who grew up with it, right? Who are just like, no, Toby's the man. And they, they're never going to give that up. And I think I'm one of those people who's like, no, like there's nothing Tom Holland can do. <laughs> he could give an Oscar-worthy performance and I'd be like, no, Toby's better. <laughs> I, I I don't think... I think that's just a cultural thing. I think it's a... You know, when, you, when you're a certain age, when you see something, you, it's hard to put get your mind past it. Yeah. Even though Tom Tom is great, you know this British kid comes in and it's just like what this guy's perfect. Yeah, he's great. He fit. What I love about him is he fits so well in with you know Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Chris Evans and these different guys who are A list actors and he's kind of put himself into that spot. I can't wait to see what decisions Tom Holland makes the next five to ten years because so far he's been a little like in my opinion immature yeah. with his decisions for mm-hmm. roles. Uh, aside from Spider-Man, you know, some movies that just aren't very good. I do like uh, that one that he's in with Robert Pattinson, uh, uh, Devil All the Time. Oh, yeah. I did like that role. But, Forgot about that one. But all, all these other ones, like Cherry, like mm-hmm. just kind of just these forgettable roles, performances I just don't care for. And I, I hope he makes, because he's, he's got something in him that's really special. So I hope he, I hope he makes the right decisions. But Toby... I don't really even know what to point to besides the Spider-Man movies. For for, if I'm looking at a resume, Cider House Rules not for me. You know, I, and and it and Shirley like Shirley Theron's really good in it, but he's not. Delroy Lindo's really good in it, but he's not. You know, he's like the weak he's like the weak link, and he's the main character. Michael Caine's great in it, but he's not. Seabiscuit, <laughs> not for me. You know, I I just don't I don't like love his career. Yeah, I like Seabiscuit. I I like a good, you know, underdog story. Um, you ever see Pawn Sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good. That's all right. That's all right. That's a good call. He played Bobby Fischer and, uh, really showcased how tortured that guy was. Uh, but overall, yeah, I've heard rumors that he's, you know, difficult, that he's a bit of a sadist, 
But <laughs> whatever. Andrew Garfield, on the other hand, now he's like easily the most talented of the three when it comes to everything. Yeah. And Hacksaw Ridge and Social Network and uh, Tick Tick Boom, like he's just, <laughs> he's lights out. I love that guy. I saw earlier this year the Eyes of Tammy Faye, mm. where he played televangelist Jim Baker. Good God, <laughs> was he great? Oh, I hope that movie doesn't get ignored at the Oscars because they both deserve attention for that. Him and Jessica Chastain. Chastain's a freak. We're yeah. so good. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio played um, Jerry Falwell. Good <laughs> God, man. Ah. Oh, D'Onofrio. <laughs> I love that guy. Underrated. Yeah. 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 Garfield's got talent like oozing out of him. He's 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 a legend. Oh, I mean, his scene in Social Network when he he finds out that he only has like 0.02% stake in, in Facebook and he goes over to to Eisenberg, to Zuckerberg, and he's got his earbuds in, and he's like, Justin Turner, like, oh, he, he's wired in. He's like, you still wired in? And then he <laughs> smashes his laptop. That's that's the best. Toby could never do that. <laughs> Tom Holland could never do that. Garfield's got something, like, really, really special. That I, I think those movies, just mismanaged. Wrong wrong director, yeah. probably. Uh, just just mismanaged. And and they, they didn't do the villains right, uh... I don't think those movies are shit, like some people say. I think they're fine. The first one has grown on me. I, yeah. I watched it again recently, and it's it's good. It's good. It just it struggles. You know, it, it, it doesn't live up to the Raimi films. That's the only problem for the first one. Mm. But he's great. His chemistry with Emma Stone is great. Uh, Reese Iffens does a great job as the lizard. Oh, yeah. He was really good. Dennis Leary as Captain George Stacy. That was great. Martin Sheen and Sally Field as Uncle Ben and Aunt May. I mean, come on. Uh, so there's a lot to like about that one, but Amazing Spider-Man Two is just a mismanaged shit show. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that one. I've tried. It's too long. There's no reason Rhino needs to be here. Electro is a nerd. Green Goblin is forced in there. It's yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah, no, no, mismanaged. Yeah. Oh, but Toby's good. <laughs> Oscar nominee Willem Dafoe plays Norman Osborn, the sadistic Green Goblin. Dafoe was nominated for his performances in Platoon. Shadow of the Vampire, The Florida Project, and At Eternity's Gate. Some of his other notable performances include The Boondock Saints, American Psycho, Wild at Heart, Born on the Fourth of July, The Last Temptation of Christ, Finding Nemo, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. And that's barely scratching the surface. Uh, he would reprise his role as Norman Osborn in the two sequels, as well as the upcoming Spider-Man No Way Home. And he may be the greatest thing about this franchise. Defoe's Goblin is so special. Oh, yeah, good God. What is there? What is, there's nothing bad to say about what Defoe really ever in his career. And as, as Green Goblin, and, and as Norman, <laughs> like, good night. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, you know, and I, I love those scenes when, you know, they're like, Norman, you're out. And he's like, I built this guy. <laughs> you know, he, you know how much I sacrificed. Yeah, he just freaks out <laughs> on a dime. He's so good. And those, those bits of dialogue. He is he is to me the best thing that's ever happened in any of the Spider-Man movies. Him and him and uh, another guy we'll talk about in a little while. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. J.K. I think I think Willem Dafoe. There's tidbits of dialogue, you know, uh, like sleep. Those things I still say now, and I always will say. And can Spider-Man come out to play when he's on the phone? Like, God, it's so creepy and so demonic. I love it so much. I love his character. I love that he could. I love when he knows he could kill Spider-Man. He's like, I could squash you like a bug. <laughs> and he doesn't because he's like, maybe maybe I can get him to be on the same side as me. We could run this city. We could just destroy it, you know. Uh, 
that doesn't happen, but he, he really gives it his all. And he beats the shit out of Spider-Man <laughs> at the end of the movie. Like Spider-Man should have been dead. He's just fucking smashing him in the face over and over. And I, I love that. I love the ending with him when he fakes like he's like, yeah. I was like a father to you. <laughs> Be a son to me. <laughs> and he presses the button on his, on his, you know, on his, on his suit. I love all of that stuff. I, I adore what Defoe is doing. I adore the Thanksgiving scene when he oh. has the knife and fork. <laughs> yeah. and he, he tries to reach for the chicken or the turkey and Aunt May slaps his wrist like Man. he does that creepy slurp thing on his fingers <laughs> yeah. like yeah it's so unnerving the whole time he's he's lights out he he is I love Alfred Molina as Doc Ock but Defoe is slightly better <laughs> yeah this was the movie this introduced me to Defoe yeah oh yeah this yeah. in Finding Nemo yeah he's like who's the voice of Gil that guy's creepy you know I was yeah. eight years old and I love that Defoe himself wanted this so hard. Like he, he found the script. He was like, this is a great character. He lobbied for it. He fought for it. He did 90% of his own stunts. Cause he thought the stunt men couldn't convey the proper menace in the goblin costume. So he's like, I'll do it. He came back for cameos in two and three. He's coming back for the new one. Like this is the role. I think this is the role he loves the most of his career, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that really is how it should be with these fucking amazing fun comic book superhero movies like they should be they should be really memorable every actor should like have a lot of fun giving it their all you know and when that doesn't happen it's really disappointing for us but defoe never lets us down never ever (laughs) you ever see that video of um it was on the set of spider-man 2 uh sam raimi's bringing um alfred molina out for like a conference like to prepare for a scene and he's like well alfred i think we're gonna go with something more like this and they brought Defoe on set to play Doc Ock for a scene, and he's like doing Molina's bit, and he's on the side just laughing his ass off. It was so great. That's amazing. God, I love it. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to in the new one more Defoe saying whatever or laughing, or after Molina saying hello, Peter. I'm excited to see them. I hope they have an exchange. I want to uh, hear them talk together. I, I, I want to see that. Christ, two just incredible character actors. What I hope we see, I hope we hear the laugh, we see the bomb, and then his theme starts playing. And that's when you're like, oh, fuck, it's it's him. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) Cool. All right, moving on. Kirsten Dunst plays Mary Jane Watson, Peter's true love. Dunst was also in Jumanji, Interview with the Vampire, Elizabeth Town, Bring It On, and the TV series Fargo and On Becoming a God in Central Florida. She recently starred in The Power of the Dog alongside her real-life fiancé, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, her and Jesse Plemons in Fargo. Yeah, yeah. Season, season two. <laughs> um, I like her in the first two, and in the third one, I feel like her character was brutally mismanaged. <sighs> yeah, this is this is the one spot where... No, no, nothing against Dunst. I, I, think, I, think, I think this character could have, been, could have been done a little bit better. I agree with you. I think the first movie, you know, she's good. The second one, she's so fucking distressed the whole time. Yeah. You're just like, good night. She looks so tired all the time. <laughs> and that's the one where she becomes an actress, you know, uh, uh, in broad- on Broadway and is like fulfilling her dreams. And the third one, yeah, yikes. There's that kind of downfall. But there's there's something about her that she seems uncomfortable at times. Maybe that's what Mary Jane's supposed to feel like. I don't know. No, no. right? In, in the, the comics, it's not that... It's not that way. Well, she's a constant, upbeat source of pride and support for Spider-Man the whole time. She's always, yeah. like, in his corner. She's very, just, like, they're a unit. And in this, in these movies, it really just feels like they're constantly beating her down. They're constantly 
like taking her dream yeah. away, making her just have a nightmare of a life. I don't know if that's supposed to make like Peter's life look better by comparison or like why they keep doing that to her. But through all three movies, she just has the worst fucking time of it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I when I was rewatching it, I was just kind of like, Ey. that one scene when uh, towards the beginning when she's at because they're neighbors. Yeah. And she goes outside and it's just kind of just kind of feels cheap. That scene where they're, they're, the parents are just yelling at each other. It's just bullshit. It's just yeah. like, it's shit you hear on like sitcoms, you know, and you're just like, ah, no, I'm going out. No, you go out, take the track, you know, and just like, there's no substance to it. And it, it, like you said, it was just like, what are we supposed to feel here? Like, well, well but, Peter's got it good with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. I, don't I know. think it's supposed to be like, Peter's the first person to ever be encouraging to her. And that makes her fall in love with him. That's what it is. That's, yeah. that's why they did it like yeah, that. Yeah, fuck, this movie moves fast. It does. It does. It does. It's two hours, and it does not fuck around. Like, how quickly it gets to gets to the point of, like, he is Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I can't wait to go through this story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oscar nominee James Franco plays Harry Osborn, Peter's best friend. Franco was nominated for his performance in 2010's 127 Hours. He was also in Pineapple Express, The Disaster Artist, Spring Breakers, This Is the End, The Interview, and Oz the Great and Powerful. And uh, I used to really like James Franco until uh, certain allegations rose, and we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, the, all that stuff is, is disappointing, to say the least. I do. I, I like him a lot, though, as a, as a performer. I think he's I think he's, I think he's. a really unique guy in that kind of Judd Apatow crew of you know Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill, all those guys. Uh, he's always been the one that obviously seems like he's willing to kind of do whatever and act in all kinds of ways. Uh, I love the disaster artist. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think him and him and him and his brother Dave Franco are so awesome in that movie. It's got such a cool cast. I love him. And this is the end. <laughs> the movie fucking cracks me up. I um, love the the cardboard cutout of the Green Goblin in his basement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the movie's awesome. When he's going up to heaven, he's like, "That's right, bitch," and then he gets sent right back down. Uh, <laughs> And Danny McBride just like has his way with him. So oh, weird. Oh my god. So weird. <laughs> that movie's so bizarre. Uh, Channing Tatum is like his oh, bitch. Yeah. Danny McBride, he's like, stop. He like has him on a leash. <laughs> the movie, if you haven't seen that in a while, go check it out again. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking crazy movie. Uh, but yeah, I think Harry's arc in these movies is really good. Just from you know Peter's best friend, who's cl- he's clearly jealous of Peter's relationship with his aunt and uncle. He doesn't have a great relationship with his father, despite the fact that he's, you know, filthy, stinking rich. Um, and then just, you know, sp- thinking Spider-Man killed his dad and having a hate, you know, a grudge grow between him and Peter because he thinks Peter's protecting Spider-Man. Then finding out Peter is Spider-Man and then wanting him dead and then finding out he was innocent and then becoming, you know, saving him from Sandman. It's, it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> like the whole roller coaster of their relationship is one of my favorite things about these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in the first one, you know, uh I love I love our introduction to to Harry when Norman uh his driver drops him off and he's like at that field trip and he's like pull around the corner. I don't want to get dropped off. This is a, these are public school kids. I don't want to get dropped off in the rolls. <laughs> And Norman's like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. why, why would you be ashamed of who you are? He's like, well, if you didn't fail out of all the private schools I sent you to, you little bastard. <laughs> I, love, I love their, the tension between them two is, is fucking hilarious. And it's, it's Willem, you can tell he's kind of like showing James Franco the ropes, like as an actor. And then of course, as father son, 
in the movie, you can see it. You can see, like, he has... Willem sees potential in Franco, and he's like, let me show you how it's done. I love little bits of dialogue between, like, Norman and Peter and Norman and Harry. Like, when he sees Peter at graduation, he's like, you know, I I bet you wish your uncle could be here right now. I'm sure he's proud of you. And then to Harry, he's like, well, I've been proven wrong before. (laughs) Like, fuck you, Norman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like, "Uh, the... You got the science award. Like, good job, Peter. <laughs> when he offers Peter a job and he's like, no thanks, I'd like to earn what I get. He's like, I respect that. You want to make it your own way. While Harry's right over there mooching off daddy's money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and then the second one, Harry, Harry is just, oh, my God. He's off his rocker. <laughs> he disrespects me by even touching me. He puts those <laughs> shitty, like, Oakley sunglasses on. I love him in the second one because he, he, it's like he's a pompous, like, director. Yeah. You know, it's its like he's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Well, he's got, you know, he's got to live up to his father's image of him. Well, he's got to, you know, take control of Oscorp. While at the same time, he's hunting down Spider-Man, who he believes killed his father. And then his best friend, he believes, is harboring him. So all of that resentment just kind of builds up until it explodes at the engagement party, which is like Peter's like the worst night of his fucking life where he sees the woman of his dreams get engaged to another man. And then his best friend publicly like slaps him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that is a rough go for, for Pete in, in the second movie. And Jameson's like, Peter, wake up, take the shot. What are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm just contemplating death right now. Cause my life sucks. <laughs> I love that. Second one's great. Yeah. (laughs) These are fucking great. Um, Oscar winner Cliff Robertson plays Ben Parker, Peter's kind-hearted uncle. Robertson won his Oscar for his performance in 1968's Charlie, a film I've always wanted to see. Uh, He was also in Escape from L.A. as the sadistic hyper-Christian president of the new United States. I love that. I love bits of that movie. Um, Three Days of the Condor and 28 episodes of Falcon Crest, among many other projects. He died in 2011 at 88 years old from natural causes, but he's pretty much considered the definitive uh, Uncle Ben. and uh, Rightfully so. Yeah. Him and uh, Rosemary Harris are perfectly cast as Uncle Ben and Aunt May. And um, you just, you know, you feel bad for his, uh, the last conversation Peter has with Ben where he's like, you know, I'm not your father. Stop pretending to be. Like, yeah. fuck, man. I can't imagine that being the last thing I said to a loved one. And then being responsible for their death. Fuck, man. No wonder yeah. he's yeah so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. And again, you know, these in these other movies, there's people who kind of care about Peter Parker. Peter Parker doesn't really have anybody, you know? He's He's got Aunt May in his corner, but she's just this old lady who's now a widow, right? Yeah. The Uncle Ben stuff, how quickly Cliff Robertson's able to steal you as yeah. an audience member is so impressive. He He's dynamite. I love, you know, he calls him Michelangelo. You know, I, I love, I love when uh, Peter comes home from getting the bite and he's like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm gonna go to bed. And it's like fucking five o'clock. <laughs> the, the, the sun's still out. Uh, and then he wakes up and he's like running off the walls and Cliff Robertson's, <laughs> he's like, oh, teenagers, you know, hormones, they never change. <laughs> it's so good. He, he's awesome. I, I always, I want to watch more of his movies. Like you said, Charlie, uh, three years of the condor is awesome. He's in a movie called Best Man that I watched, and it's so weird watching him play kind of a sleazy politician because he's <laughs> like, that's Uncle Ben. No, there's no way he can be a piece <laughs> of shit. And I, I love that about him, that there's this untapped area of his career that I, I can't wait to get to uh, as I watch more movies. 
Well, he's also, you know, he's he's pro- he's the most important character in Peter's journey to becoming Spider-Man. Yeah, the quote. I mean, yeah, the quote. The, the quote. The movie begins like Spider-Man, Human Spider, when he goes wrestling. It begins with that quote, and the movie ends with that quote. It's so so vital. Uncle Ben is in his heart the whole time. With great power comes great responsibility, and I wonder why they never brought that back in the other films. Like, it's not like it's trademarked. It's owned by this company. Like, I don't know. Yeah, the Garfield films never did. They tried to dance around it. And then Tom Holland, we've never met Uncle Ben in his films. I mean, yeah. it's implied that he's dead, but we've never actually met him. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure eventually. Maybe, you know, some, maybe Martin Sheen will fall through a portal and end up in this universe and be like, why? here's... <laughs> yeah, Martin Sheen's great. What, why are they so old in the, the Sam Raimi trilogy? Well, tradition in the comics, they are about that old. They are? Yeah. It's it's always been bizarre to me. Like, Marissa Tomei, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. This, this woman's like 45, 50, mm-hmm. and... Tom Holland's 18, uh, that Peter Parker. And, and, and the Raimi ones, they look like they're 80. And that's 60 years older than what Peter Parker's supposed to be. It's like, how old were his parents? You know, it's just an interesting. Well, maybe Uncle Ben and Aunt May is more of a title. Maybe they're like his great uncle, great that, aunt. That's very possible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, Either way, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Oscar nominee Rosemary Harris plays May Parker, Peter's kind hearted aunt. She was nominated for a performance in 1994's Tom and Viv. She was also in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Being Julia, The Boys from Brazil, and 1996's Hamlet. And yeah, her talks with Peter are always so warm, you know? Mm. She feels like everyone's grandma. Just She just dishes out really good advice whenever he needs it. Whenever he's feeling down, she's like, you know, be the hero you're not, you you're, you want to be, not the one you're supposed to be. And like, there's a hero in all of us. And yeah, it's just it's it's good. And I think she knows the entire time that he's Spider Man. Like, I I do too. The way yeah. she talks, especially in that second one, the way yeah. she talks, uh, I really really like that dialogue between them two. My one of my favorite moments of all of all Spider Man movies, but one of the darkest moments is when she's doing the Lord's Prayer, oh. and Green Goblin comes in and is like, "Finish it." <laughs> Deliver us from evil. And, and then she's in the hospital and she's those horrible yellow eyes. Um, and that's, yeah, Green Goblin just would would stay ingrained in your brain, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if you ever saw him in action. So <laughs> that scene, that scene's really cool. I think Sam Raimi's like, I like horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, during those scenes. And I think there's some in Spider-Man 2. He's very much, like, I like horror, you know? Uh, yeah. When Doc Ock is in the hospital and, she destroys all those people. <laughs> that one girl scrapes the floor and it, uh, it's like the chalkboard. The one doctor who grabs the, like the chainsaw and it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pure horror. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that Sam Raimi can't get away from that because he's <laughs> such a fan. Right. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's so much happening in these movies inside of a two hour frame that it, it just shows his passion. It shows his credibility as a director and, He's, he's the guy I would want behind him always, you know? Oh, yeah. One last guy to talk about. Oscar winner J.K. Simmons plays newspaper editor J. Jonah Jameson. Simmons won his Oscar for his performance in 2014's Whiplash, one of the most deserved performance Oscars of all time, mm-hmm. and is a super prolific character actor. Some of his notable performances uh, in the past 20 years include Juno, The Lady Killers, Patriot's Day, Up in the Air, and the TV series Oz and Invincible. And he is just, God, what more could be said? J.K. Simmons is the fucking man. Yeah. And his his tenure as J. Jonah Jameson is fantastic. All, like, 
the quick wit of this guy, the hilarious dialogue, the way he treats his employees, his incredibly cheap demeanor. His hair. His hair. His the mustache. The, must, the yeah. cigar. Yeah. The suspenders. Like, it's perfect. There's no, there's no, you've said this many times before, but if you look at on paper and look in the comics, there's no one that looks the same. It's so hard to cast somebody who, you can cast someone who captures what you're trying to capture, but the looks and that, he looks exactly like he looks in the camera. It's insane. It's uncanny. He's the best. Uh, Willem Dafoe is my favorite, like Green Goblin is my favorite character uh, and then Doc Ock out of all these movies, but Jameson is the most well put together, most well written and well acted of, of all of them. He is, that guy's an American treasure at, at this point. <laughs> if we can get a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, we can get a picture of this weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I never said he had a job. Meat. Seen a big box of Christmas meat. Now get out of here. <laughs> just crazy shit this guy says. <laughs> yeah. It, it never, it never stops. The Daily Bugle playing such a massive role in, in the movies. It wouldn't work without him. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you wouldn't want that much newspaper. You wouldn't that. You wouldn't want. You wouldn't want that many newspaper scenes in your movie unless it's him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, why the fuck are we still at the Daily Bugle over and over? You know, why are we going here for these vital scenes? Because we have. Because it's J.K. Simmons. And and the classic. I love when Green Goblin shows up, and you know, let mommy and daddy talk. You know, I love. I love that. And J- J- Jameson's like, fuck you. <laughs> I love in that scene, you you see Jameson's true colors when Goblin's like, who's the photographer? And he's like, I don't know. Like, he won't give Peter up. Yeah. And that's that's cool. That's nice. Like, deep down, he is a good person. He just really fucking hates Spider-Man yeah, for I some reason. I don't know. He mails him in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, so Spider-Man has an IMDb score of 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes score of 90%. It grossed $821 million on a budget of $139 million and pretty much changed the perception of superhero movies going forward. Uh, it was nominated for two Oscars, Best Sound and Best Visual Effects. It spawned two sequels, was rebooted twice, remains one of the most acclaimed superhero films of all time. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a straight up 9 out of 10 for me. It's, I don't know what would make it a masterpiece. Probably, probably those like little things I talked about. You know, I mean, first off, the, the actors look like they're, well, they are. They're like 30 years old and they're playing <laughs> high schoolers. Those little things always bother me, but... It's not enough to make it less than almost a masterpiece to me. That bit when, like, at the beginning, of, might as well go into it, the, the field trip to the yes. spider laboratory, when the teacher, like, pulls 35-year-old James Franco aside to talk about how we listen, mm-hmm. always makes me laugh. Yeah. It's like, They're no. same age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You couldn't have cast somebody older as the teacher, just for contrast. And the, the field trip <laughs> scene, uh, that, that whole bit's great in... Uh, the lady's doing her presentation and you know, she's like 15 spiders and Kirsten Dunst's like, there's 14. <laughs> You're like, how the fuck would this museum let one of those fuckers go? One of those spiders. When the cavalier attitude of like, Oh, scientists are probably working on yeah, it. Like they don't yeah. know. She didn't even check. She's like, Oh, they must be doing some research. You don't know about that. I thought these, you were one of the researchers. These spiders that can rewrite a person's genetic code. <laughs> nobody seems to care. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then when it bites Peter, it just jumps to the ground and doesn't bite anybody else. My favorite thing is that he doesn't report this. Like, he's, I know. he gets bit by a genetically enhanced spider. There's a bubble on his hand the size <laughs> of a, like a fucking gumball. He goes home. He feels fluish. He wakes up. He's got a six pack and he can see without glasses. <laughs> and he doesn't do anything about no, this. No, <laughs> I, I love to see when he goes home. He goes, we spoke about it earlier. He goes home and his, 
his his uh, aunt and uncle are like, oh, you want dinner? And he's like, no, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. It looks like he's taken so many drugs <laughs> as he falls to the bed and then falls off the bed and grabs the blanket and starts hearing the things that were said, you know, at the uh, on the field trip at the museum. I, I love that scene. It always, it always makes me, it's not supposed to make you laugh, but it always makes me laugh because I'm like, oh my God, Toby is on one. He, he had a few too many whiskeys <laughs> that, that day. Uh, <laughs> his reaction to like looking through his glasses and not being able to see and he puts him down and he can see, he's like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> just puts him aside like okay and then he's just jacked right you know and he looks in the mirror and he just decides to just touch his muscles and he's oh wow okay i guess this is what's happening and then to further that point he's at home shooting webs in his bedroom and he grabs a dr pepper okay cool that was cool i would do the same thing you know I'd, i would be shooting that food and soda and then he's destroying his room and aunt may's like oh is everything okay in there? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he just broke an entire lamp against the wall. How would you not bust in the door? Like, what the fuck is happening in here? I want to know how everyone who was in school the day he beat the shit out of Flash Thompson didn't see, you know, he, he throws a web at a tray of food, hurls it at Flash, walks out of there, and is all of a sudden super strong and has quick reflexes. Nobody remembered that when Spider-Man started showing up. They're like, no. remember that time that weird kid Peter did this? <laughs> it, it's, it's very convenient uh, how they, you know, and this is, again, like what's holding it back from being a true masterpiece. These little things, they do matter. Yeah. Spider-Man 2 has some of those moments um, when Doc Ock does his experiment and becomes Doc Ock. <laughs> Peter disappears and James Franco, Harry's like, where'd you go? And then, he, and then Spider-Man shows up two seconds later. And never once did, did Harry think, oh, oh, well, when he left, Spider-Man came. You know, those, those little things, they happen. Also in Spider-Man 2, it always bothers the shit out of me when, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie, is when, uh, one of them, I really like that kind of horror-like scene at the hospital. But the when they're on the subway, they're on the train. Oh, yeah. Epic. How do those little kids get his fucking mask? That's a very good question. He took that off outside the train. Yeah, he takes it off outside because he's like, you know, he's trying to see and he takes it off and basically throws it. It should be somewhere off in New York. And these two little kids are like, we found something. You know? I'm like, wait, what? Where the fuck did you get that? I, I, those little things that separate movies from being seamless and being, no. wow, like everything adds up here. Spider-Man does have those moments of, wait, what? Two, two quick things about Spider-Man 2. One, I love that the first guy to stand up to Doc Ock on the train is Joey Coco Diaz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta get through what? You, if you're gonna get to him, you gotta get through me. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. New York. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and then the second one, I love the the way that he just explains the creation of the arms. Like, mm. in order to, to balance this fusion experiment, he first had to invent artificial intelligence. And it's just you know, glossed over like yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe the most significant scientific breakthrough of all time. He's like, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I gotta make these arms. Yeah. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Yeah. And I love when James Franco is just yelling Nobel prize. <laughs> <laughs> Franco's off his fucking rocker in the second one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's those, that doesn't, that ultimately no. doesn't take away from the film. No. Right. Yeah. But it does make it, these could be these could these have the makings of a true true masterpiece. Yeah. Yet they're taken away. The way that Infinity War is a masterpiece. Everything is accounted for. Everything makes sense. Everything is awesome and dark and fucking crazy. 
that's a 10 out of 10 movie to me. These movies are close to that. Yeah. But they don't quite reach it because of those those little things that, in the story. It's hard to explain the difference between a 9 and a 10. And it really just comes down to like personal little biases biases and mm-hmm. is biases even a word biases there we go biases not <laughs> something to die biases biases anyway yeah it's it's little little things it's like a flick of the switch in the brain it's just it's hard to kind of explain that but you know it you but know, you know when you yeah, see it yeah. yeah you know when you see it yeah for sure <laughs> um all right back to spider-man one uh, <laughs> uh, uh what's the what's flashes uh joe uh Manginello. Yeah. Oh my god, that guy's like fucking forty. <laughs> he's a fucking full on man going to high school. Like, dude, someone check this guy's ID. I love the scene at the graduation between the the breakup is so yeah. cheap. He's like, whatever. <laughs> you know, your loss. Yeah. Like, just I don't even need you. Yeah. Oh, I love that shit. And that car that he gets for his birthday. <laughs> fucking lame <laughs> and that's when peter's like, oh maybe i should get a car yeah no shit <laughs> no shit pete <laughs> and, and and also it never made sense to me uh let's go ahead and go into that 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 you know he he, he finds out he has powers after you know that being bitten whatnot and he decides to kind of test test it out uh the, the scene's great when he's on the roof and he's trying to like Go web. All that stuff's great. <laughs> but when he finally figures it out, he climbs up the wall. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go try to make some money doing this because I, I want to get a car. And he sees an ad for $3,000 to go to go fight. He didn't know it was going to be against fucking Randy Savage. <laughs> Bonesaw. But the ad does say $3,000. And the guy gives him 100 for two minutes. Makes no sense. Yeah, I'd want to fuck that guy over too. Because because it to me it would be... Uh, a thousand for one minute, two thousand for two minutes, three thousand for three minutes, yeah, or something like that. A hundred dollars yeah. is not even—it's not even believable as a ripoff. <laughs> it's so far from the value that's in the ad that, I, yeah, I—I I, I would want to just—I would steal it if I, if I were Toby. Well, I'm not surprised that the seedy underground wrestling guy <laughs> with his newspaper advertisement is not on the up and up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best part of that, you know, Randy Savage is wonderful as Bonesaw, and I love how the crowd just wants him to just kill everybody. Yeah. But it's it's Octavia Spencer who steals the show. <laughs> yeah. And she looks at him like, you're going to get your ass. Oh, she reminds him of, like, the, the fine print. Like, you know we're not responsible for anything that yeah. may and probably will happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably and will happen to you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, next. <laughs> they got to be with you. Next. Uh, I love that. Ne- and then Bruce Campbell. Ah, oh, God. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. You know, of course, him and Raimi. They, <laughs> it had to happen. He's in all three movies doing different things. I love him in the, as the, the commentator. He's got those shitty sunglasses. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Do you know what the payoff of those three cameos was supposed to be? In Spider-Man, the... In uh, Raimi's plan, Spider-Man 4, it was going to be revealed that that was the same guy taking odd jobs, and he was Mysterio. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that would yeah. make sense. The yeah. opening act of 4 was Spider-Man taking down Mysterio, and it was fucking Bruce Campbell. <laughs> uh, I hate that we didn't get that. I know. I know. I've seen the concept art, and it's so good. Damn. <laughs> that's that's disappointing. Yeah. Damn it. Um, I can't wait to see who Campbell plays in Doctor Strange. <laughs> Mopany opens like a portal and it's like Ash reading the Necronomicon. He's like, shut the damn door, Bozo, or something like that. Be totally fine <laughs> with me. Yeah. But I do love that he's the guy who gives Parker Spider Man 
You know, he's like, what's your name, kid? The human spider. I'm like, really? That's the best you that got? Sucks. That sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. I, lo- I love that. For the sum of $3,000. <laughs> Uh, he, the cage <laughs> I love that guy oh my god <laughs> New York <laughs> like Bruce Campbell has the best voice to be that kind of guy <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man yeah. I love that my Peter's like human yeah, spider. he wasn't yeah. gonna go out he's like you got my name wrong <laughs> uh, and then fucking Macho Man yeah. Bone Saw McGraw oh yeah <laughs> what you doing up there <laughs> hey freak show <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody more fucking strange in this world than Randy Savage? I got you for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. You're going nowhere. <laughs> uh, and he, I mean, he, he should have, Spider-Man should have been knocked out uh, by that chair. He fucking whacked Where the, the hell was the spider sense when Randy Savage got a hold of a folding chair? I don't know. <laughs> he fucks him up. He really does. He, he, <laughs> Wax the shit out of him like three times in the head. And I, I was watching with Brianna. I was like, dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> dead. Well, apparently, like, doing the, like, Randy Savage did his own stunts there, and he fucked his body up when when Spider-Man hurled him into the metal bars. Like, Randy Savage really got hurled into metal bars. Jesus. And it fucked his spine up or something. He never was really right again after that. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, and rest in peace. You know, yeah. he, he died in 2011. And. He was an absolute legend. Randy Savage certainly was the cream of the crop, and no one will ever take that away. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So we've gone this long without really acknowledging Danny Elfman's incredible score. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. He, The music he provided for these films is gorgeous. Every villain has their own theme. I love that. Um, it was Christopher Young in the third one because him and Raimi had a bit of a falling out. Uh, but... Even then, like it's still built on on Elfman's uh, themes. It's great. It's an iconic. It's it's the Spider Man music. Like I can't think like Garfield and Holland just do not have that. No, McGuire has a theme. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And like you said, the villains do too. And Elfman, ah, uh, yeah, one of the best to do it. Right, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most unique to to do it to be a composer and, and he gave us Batman and Spider Man. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got his filmography is really, really cool. We've talked about him on Oscar Sunday before. Uh, he's been brought up amongst some of the better composers of our of our time, and I remember being a kid and I would just hum that. You know, like I'd be at school on the playground at recess, and I would just hum the fucking Spider Man. You just that's just what you do. You know, it's the stuff you fall in love with as a kid, and as you get older, you you realize how important it was to kind of your initial your initial reaction and love for something. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, so important. Every time I see his name at the beginning, I, I get, I get goosebumps. I'm yeah, s- I can't believe we didn't bring <laughs> it up yet. There's certain movies I think about, like if I hadn't seen it when I saw it, I wouldn't be the same person I am today. A hundred percent. And that just shows you how, how fucking important, how important movies are, how important they are uh, in TV and music. You know, those things they're when they hit you uh, and wherever your mind is at, it's just so, so, so important, especially for, you know, people like you and I are just, we eat this shit up and we love it. We have loved it for so long. It, it's huge. It's huge. Even now, as we're, you know, we're in Los Angeles, uh, we, we walk past the park bench with the Spider-Man, you know, ad on it. And we're both like, ha yeah, <laughs> that's huge. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the, you know, this movie. And that, yeah, that gives you, that gives you goosebumps, you know? Oh, totally. So while this is all going on with Peter, um, Norman, 
is having some uh, financial problems. Mm. Oscorp is going to lose their funding if they don't get these performance enhancers back on track. And I love that Dr. Strom, the like second in command of the medical or the uh, research team, straight up tells the general, like, we got to go back to the beginning. We got to go back to formula. Yeah. And Osborne's like, what the fuck? Why would you say that? Back to formula. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. And yeah, with, you know, desperate because they threaten to pull his funding if they don't get this up. Norman tests these performance enhancers on himself. As does, you know, the mad scientist cliche, a supervillain is born. Yeah. And what these things do is they make him, you know, super strong, but also fuck with his personality and give him uh, disassociative identity disorder and create the goblin. Yes. <laughs> Which is fantastic. And he fucks up Strom immediately. And says it back to him. I love that. <laughs> back to formula. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he jumps up and like Willem Dafoe would, he looks at a gargoyle and is like, ah! <laughs> It's so cool. It's perfect. It's so epic. What, 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 my favorite part of that scene, as I've gotten older, I've just watched this movie so many goddamn times, <laughs> yeah. is you can see that he's he's becoming, he's getting a piece of that goblin before he even goes into the into that tank because he drinks the vial and fucking slams on the ground and the glass breaks and you're like, <laughs> he wants this. <laughs> he, he wants to be fucked up, you know? Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. He's he's so lost. He created this. He created this company. They're turning on him. These guys don't believe in him. That general straight up tells him, like, I never supported you in the first place. You're yeah. fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that uh, Norman is, is betting on himself. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Even if it has repercussions, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this for science. <laughs> and Doc Ock's the same way, right? Yep. It's the same way of, like, the power of the sun in my hands, you know? I, I love that about these villains. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's that, and then this Sandman fell in the wrong science experiment at the wrong time. Yeah, and he's just a hulking <laughs> monster already, right? Yeah, yeah. and has a, has, a, has a criminal past. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, your, that's I was, awesome. I was watching Spider-Man 3 with my family a couple weeks ago, and my mom walked in, and she saw Sandman in the green shirt, and she called him like Steve from Blue's Clues, like evil dad or something like that. Yeah, he's a jacked <laughs> Steve, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, so yeah, Norman's the goblin now. It's kind of cool that the Green Goblin and Spider-Man were created on the same night. Yeah. Uh, and if Spider-Man hadn't become Spider-Man, Goblin would have fucked that city up. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, he, he definitely, he does. He does. He, he gets his. And, and had it not been for the glider being jacked up at the parade, he would have fucked everybody up. Yeah. He would have, he, he was fucking Spider-Man up. <laughs> That's that's one of my favorite things of Goblin. He gets the better of Spider Man a lot. In, I love when first movie. when they first meet. Spider Man throws a punch and Goblin catches it. And he's like impressive and yeah, kicks him across yeah. the park. <laughs> impressive, yeah. <laughs> uh, when the cops show up and he's like, I surrender. <laughs> he just fuck fucks them all up. Yeah. Uh, the cops, the cops in the Spider Man movies don't ever shoot. They like never. They never pull the trigger. They have this octopus motherfucker with eight arms and hands up. Really. Jesus Christ. Yeah. NYPD suck in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> the only one they do shoot at is fucking Sandman. Yeah. Who it, just... It is sand. <laughs> yeah. How convenient. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So, wrestling, uh, Peter fucks up Bonesaw and uh, wins $100. And he's like, uh, dude, what the hell? <laughs> the guy's like, now get out of here. I love that. I forgot the part was that was my problem. Yeah. <laughs> And then the dude just takes, you know, that guy shows up, steals the money, and Peter just lets him go. And the guy's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, well, I missed the part where that's my problem. Mm. What goes around comes around, asshole. Yeah. 
But, you know, ultimately, this guy, as we're led to believe for two films, and they change it in part three, I never really liked that. Uh, he kills Uncle Ben, steals his car. Yeah, they do fuck with that in the third one. And yeah. I always, that always left kind of a weird taste in my mouth, that Sandman was a part of that. Yeah. Uh, that was always weird to me, because I really like that storyline of... Because at first, you're like, wait, this is New York, this place is huge. You're like, oh yeah, Uncle Ben was supposed to pick him back up at 10 p.m., yep. right outside the exact same place. And it, it makes sense. Wait a minute. I think I found a plot hole. Let's hear it. Uncle Ben thought Peter was going to the library. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But initially when he drops him off, yeah, I've always thought about this. Because I'm like, does does that make sense, like, geographically? <laughs> uh, so when he drops him off and Peter, like, walks to the library for a second and then turns around, how far do you think that place is from the library? That's really yeah. what we need to know. Because if it's right across the street, that makes sense. Because then yeah. Peter would just walk out of the wrestling place, go over to the library. I doubt that this like seedy wrestling place is across the street from the New York Public Library. <laughs> and who the fuck is... What time is it when he drops him off and he's, I'll pick you up at 10 p.m. at the library? A little weird. A little weird. A little weird. Yeah. Is, we're not supposed to think about that stuff. Logistics. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, but now Peter... And it, the moment when Ben dies is so sad. It's there's you can tell there's so much that he wanted Peter, to say. Yeah, fuck. Oh boy, the way he just barely gets out. Peter, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, jeez, that's just devastating. Ah, oh. and then McGuire, you know, he he's he cries a lot in these movies, but he's got a lot to cry about. He does. His life sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so he puts on the human spider costume and goes and fucks up this burglar, and Kill, then kills him. Sort of. Kind of. Almost. Yeah. Uh, he certainly breaks his arm. Yeah. It ends him for the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the guy stumbles out of the window. He's dead. But I love that that realization of, like, I did this. Like, when he sees him in the light, he's like, I could have stopped this guy. And yeah. that whole thing completely changes who Peter Parker is and pretty much gives him the philosophy of Spider-Man, which is great. Uh, I love that initial costume. <laughs> He's wearing like Nikes and just has like a red bandit fucking little, little mask on. I, I like that initial suit. I used to have action figures of different, the different versions of like Peter, the photographer. And I had that one and I had like the full on Spider-Man. I played with those like a fucking fiend when I was a kid. I did too. And I loved that one. Yeah. I loved that, that, that like middle Spider-Man. Yeah. I had the, I had the, the regular Spider-Man suit. Um, I had a remote control green goblin toy that like flew around oh christ that was cool i had a venom and a sandman from part three uh i had a shit ton of x-men toys but that was it for spider-man yeah yeah <laughs> i just i just had those uh i i had uh like a like a smaller like those were like pretty pretty big size action figures i had a smaller doc ock that just kind of hung around on my shelf <laughs> I, I i had it up until not that long ago and i kind of lost it while i was moving because ah. i still i just had it up on my shelf i thought it looked badass mm. I, and i you know i mean i fucking love alfred molina yeah. so uh yeah that sucks that i don't have that anymore <laughs> i want a ray had jackson action figure from boogie nights uh you know <laughs> with the <laughs> you guys want to play baseball <laughs> you're gonna have to make that yeah <laughs> i don't know i bet it's somewhere it might be at fucking amoeba that place we went to today in la god damn <laughs> that's fantastic oh boy um it always bugged me how peter made that and then somehow he made this like super well-designed costume yeah <laughs> 
incredible costume. And, and, and this is uh, when we were watching the the first Tom Holland Spider-Man. I told you, I was like, all that shit was made for him by Tony Stark. Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. Fucking, how did he make this? This amazing suit that seems to be able to cut through fucking, you know, when, when uh, Green Goblin throws, throws his shit at him uh, during the fire, he blocks some of them. And w- only one of them gets through the suit. Yeah. What is this made out of? Well, I think in that instance, I think he was hitting it on the like the middle part that wasn't a blade. I think that's what he was smacking, and then he got cut. That's what I think happened. Love that scene. But like, how does he shoot the webs through that suit? Like, this thing, I don't know. I don't know what it's made of, but well done. If Spider Man didn't work out, he could have really made a killing in fashion. Uh, yeah, in design. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That suit is that suit is gorgeous. I like in the second one when he's like, yeah, rides up in the crotch a little bit. <laughs> he's in the ele- <laughs> when he's in the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> kind of itchy. Cool Spidey outfit. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's unnecessary, but fun. Uh, you ever seen the um, extended director's cut, Spider-Man Two Point One? No. There's an extra bit in there where the guy's like an advertising executive and he tries to pitch ideas to Spider-Man. He's like, you could, you would do like a men's cologne called Thwip, <laughs> and Peter's just like. He keeps clicking the, like the door, like trying to get out of there. There's just a bit where uh, Jameson is wearing the Spider-Man costume, and he's like, "Pew pew," trying to be pretending oh, to be I've Spider-Man. S- I've seen that like, on YouTube or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so with this new, you know, uh, I hate when he has to go home and tell Aunt May, even though it's like muted. I hate that bit where she finds out he's dead and just starts crying into Peter's shoulder. Ah. And Peter at age 17 or 18 has to deal with all this. Yeah, cool. And then he doesn't tell her what really happened until part two. And that's a tough scene, <laughs> which she says out loud. Part of the, I love part of that screenplay when she says flat out that it's been two years. Can you believe it's been two years next month that when Uncle Ben, you know, died? And so we know that he's held on to this for two full years. That's a long time. Well, I think a great bit to where you realize just how under how much pressure he is in part two is when he forgets his own birthday. Oh, and like yeah. he's like, what's the occasion? They're like, it's your birthday, man. Like, yeah, that's to to do to be that stressed. Like, I can't imagine. Toby, selfless. Yeah. Uh, well, Peter, selfless. I found out that he got fired from Spider-Man Two for faking a back injury to try to get more money out of uh, Columbia, and they had Jake Gyllenhaal lined up to replace him. And Toby eventually relented and apologized and like begged for his job back. Christ. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal would have made a fucking wonderful Spider-Man. Yeah, he would have. Christ. <laughs> but then he wouldn't have been probably Mysterio years later. So yeah. and he was great. He was. Yeah. What a piece of shit Mysterio was. And he probably, who knows, he might not have done Brokeback Mountain, you know? But That's true. A year after Spider-Man 2, so who knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had not done Zodiac in 2007. That ripple effect. Fuck that, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, never mind. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so Norman finds out that his company is forcing him out after he fucks up Quest Aerospace. It kills that general. Love that. Oh, that scene's great. Yeah, you just hear what like... What the I, hell is that? You hear the cackling. Yeah. And, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that general was a, was a dirtbag, so... Well, I love that he his, had to go. his efforts to destroy them only, like bolstered their confidence and now they're buying Oscorp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then he and then of course at the parade he's like I'm going to kill all of you now. Yeah. And he he he, they, he just turns him to ash. He, how come he never used that bomb again? That was 
He only had a few of those in the in the in the closet. Yeah. Where did he? Where did all these fucking bombs come from? I don't know. Like we see where the glider and the suit came from, and it's implied that you know Norman collects masks, so that's where the goblin mask came from. But he just have an endless supply of pumpkin-looking bombs. I don't know. I guess when he, I, I guess when the uh, alter ego took over, maybe yeah, he made all these. I don't know. Maybe he tinkered for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. It's weird that this company hates him so much. Like, why do they all hate Norman so much? Yeah, that's a movie I would love to see a prequel to. To, I mean, it couldn't happen now. Willem Dafoe is probably too old unless he used a different actor. Uh, a prequel about him losing his kind of respect within Oscorp. Because that's such an interesting storyline. It's like, why? Yeah, why is the board so fed up with him? Because they're the ones, they're obviously the ones who fund everything and back everything and give him money to do stuff. Yeah. But he's the sci- he's the scientist. And I would love to see that. Because, of course, at some point, there was a respect there. And there was a, a willingness and a desire to seek see out what he was doing. And eventually they were like, this guy's nuts. Yeah. I would love to see that downfall, you know? Yeah, for so sure. So fascinating. Well, they tell him straight up, you're out. Yeah. He's like, you're out, Norman. <laughs> am I? Yeah. <laughs> out, am I? <laughs> oh, so great. I love to think that they all realize like, oh God, that's Norman right before they blew they up. They died, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love Harry's like, where's my father? And, and no, he's not, he's not going to make it today. Well, you get to see just how afraid and cons- like of his dad and how much he wants to please his dad by him telling MJ like I thought you were going to wear the black dress oh. my dad loves black and she's like well he'll probably just love me either way and you tell in his eyes he's like I don't know about that yeah <laughs> no no and then to not tell Peter that he's dating his dream girl what a dick move yeah Harry, Harry is pretty pretty slimy in the first movie right yeah the way he moves around Peter yeah not right. It's fucked. Peter Peter finds out after running into MJ at that diner that she's working at. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what does he say when she walks away? He's like, maybe we get some lunch at, at dinner sometime. Or he like mixes up lunch and dinner in the same sentence. Yeah, like let's get some lunch some evening. That's what yeah, he says. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll get some of that famous coffee. Yeah. God. Come on, Pete. I love how dated the parade scene is by just having Macy Gray yep. be the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Really cool, though. I, I, that's one thing I love about uh, these movies is they feel as, you know, fantastic they are and as, you know, comic booky they are. They feel real. They feel realistic. You know, they're really using New York. The Daily Bugle feels like a real newspaper. The Macy Gray thing is a real thing that happens in your ha- used to happen in New York every single year. I, what, I like the, the Unity Festival? That was a thing? The well she did the New Year's New Year's oh. like every year she would sing at it. Okay. And I like that. Yeah. I think that's cool. You know, it's a it's a touch that feels really authentic and really you know, Sam Raimi's not trying to be totally up in the clouds, right? He's like, Let, let's keep it let's keep it on the ground and, and make this as as realistic as possible. The Green Goblin character could exist, right? It could be someone who's flies around in a glider and has this suit. Yeah. It could happen. Steroids are real. Steroids yeah. are real. Little bombs are real. Yeah. Willem Dafoe's laugh is real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's things in it that really could happen. And I love that about it. The scene in the mansion where Norman realizes like that oh. he's the the goblin is one of my favorite bits of the movie where he just, you know, he hears the cackle. And he's like, who's there? He's like, follow the cold shiver running down your spine. <laughs> like he's just, he's <laughs> fucking with him the whole time. And then just walking into the mirror 
is so great. Like, ah, oh, what a great actor. Yeah, I love that. And I love when Harry sees it. Yeah. You know? In part two. Yeah. Avenge me! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. God, his heart. <laughs> we attack his heart. <laughs> oh, boy. I would love to see Willem just practicing these lines, you know? He's, like, in the hotel. He's, avenge me! <laughs> I would love that. Beautiful. Yeah, I want to see so much behind-the-scenes footage on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can we go next? Uh, uh, so we're going around that when he kills the general, goes to the parade. I guess the after that is when it's very clear to Peter that uh, Harry Harry's kind of not doesn't seem totally on his side, right? And then I think and, that and, and it's and it's clear that it's clear that the Green Goblin says, "I'll be seeing you again, Spider Man." It's I have my enemy now. Yeah. Well, I think Harry on some level thinks Peter's trying to like steal his dad. So he took something that meant something to Peter and MJ. I think that's what it was. Probably. It's not a very strong friendship. There's a lot of backstabbing and, you know, behind the back bullshit there. I wish Pete had like a couple other friends. Not that like show up all the time in the movie. Then you could just go get lunch with. Well, that's flash in the comics. Yeah. We never got that. I wish he had that. You know, and I don't know, he, he's just so goddamn alone. Like, yeah. It's really sad. I wish he had a friend who could... I need to go get a burger, man, and just... He needs a Ned. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he exactly. thinks it's Harry, but Harry's not his friend. No. Ugh. Mm, makes that fight they have in part three, like, actually quite satisfying. Yeah, and, and it makes the maturity of Peter saying in part two, there are bigger things than you and me right now. I love that. And yeah. He's like, Harry, you little boy. <laughs> you, you need to see the bigger picture. Half of New York's going to get wiped off the face of the earth if you don't fucking grow up. <laughs> I, love that. I love that scene. Oh, boy. Um, okay. So let's go to the bugle where Peter tries to sell some pictures. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're crap. Crap. Double crap. crap. <laughs> Mega crap. <laughs> Oh, it'd be uh, 150 for all three. <laughs> He's like, what? I love the second. Amazing yeah. pictures. Yeah, like right up in his face. Yeah. <laughs> I love in the second one where he's like, I want 300. That's outrageous. Done. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> God, I could talk about that guy all day. And it's, and it's uh, R- Robbie and, and Betty. Uh, they're both amazing. Yeah. As these kind of. Bill Nunn and Elizabeth Banks. They, they, they hold down the Daily Bugle without yeah. them. <laughs> and then you got Ted Ramey as like yeah. Jameson's little bitch. Who's like constantly trying to give him good ideas? How about Doc Ock? No, <laughs> stupid. Uh, <laughs> I've got it, Doc Ock. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Yeah, it's genius. <laughs> How about Green Meanie? He just tells him to leave. Yeah. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, fantastic. Um, so Goblin's now after Spider Man. So he tells, he goes out, you know, he goes after Jameson to be like, who's the, who's the photographer who takes Spider-Man's picture? And he's like, I don't know. Spider-Man shows up and Jameson's like, I knew you were in it together immediately. (laughs) Just like, I knew it. I love when he gets his mouth webbed. Like, you know, that was satisfying for Peter. I what that feels like. And how do you get out of it? Who helps you get out of that? You know, the webbing is supposed to dissolve after a while, but. Yeah. That's how it always happened in the video games. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, otherwise there'd be webs all over New York City. Yeah, it would look like a fucking spider's nest, the entire city. The 
how, how long he's been active. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a bit in the amazing Spider-Man where he webs up a, uh, a criminal and like webs up his nose and mouth and he can't fucking breathe. And he like punches a hole in the mouth for him. And it's really fucked up. <laughs> anyway, Christ. Yeah. Goblin takes uh, Spider-Man like over to this building to give him the old, you know, we should team up talk. And Spider-Man's like, no, you're a bad guy. It's like, well, that's relative, isn't it? <laughs> like, just, it's great. Yeah, and he uses the the sleep thing. You know, that's my favorite line is the sleep. I love that. <laughs> I love that part so much. And, and yeah, he, he, he could kill him right there and probably should have. Well, I love when he gives him the, he gives him the message of like, you know, eventually they will hate you no matter how much you've done for them. Like this city will turn on you. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah, he was right. I love, I love that in superhero movies. I love that movies period. You know, they love you. They hate you. They love you. They hate, you know, people will never make up their mind. They love to see your hero fail. Yeah. Yep. I love that. And that's like the same in real life. Like we love as a society, if you know, whenever, whenever someone like Tiger Woods went through his whole debacle of, of, you know, it came out that he's cheating. People were like all over that. And they yeah. loved they loved talking about it. Even though two weeks before they were like, Oh, he's the best golfer of all time. They love when someone fucks up. Yeah. People love when someone messes up and we can pick pick them apart like vultures. It's disgusting. And Goblin's got some real truth there. And he's he knows it because he's been through it. Yep. He ah, used to be, you so know, cool. he was the science golden boy. He was the head of Oscorp, like the premier company in charge of like scientific advancement, and now he's a joke. Yeah, look at the house he lives in. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Biggest house in New York City. He's got a mansion on a skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Unreal. And Harry's like, like he has any real problems. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and Peter lives in this tiny house yeah, with his aunt and uncle in the, like, one of the poorer parts of New York, yeah. And the second one, he's got this shitty apartment run by, you know, uh, rent. Yeah, <laughs> run by the Russians. Ditkovich, yeah. 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 I love that guy. <laughs> oh boy um let's see so after after uh, uh green goblin then sees him again he's like what you know we never you never got to me about our oh talk the fire yeah, yeah. yeah. where he yeah. saves the baby <laughs> oh the cops are like you know we're gonna arrest you and he's like he starts <gasps> the screaming and he's like go save them yeah like i love that the cops are on his side i'll be here when you're out yeah, yeah. <laughs> not coming back chief yeah Oh, so good. And it's the goblin. I love the way they, they reveal it with, like, the shape of the head. Mm-hmm. Right there, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you, you have your questions because the, the cry is so bizarre and so scary. And then, yeah, you see the, the kind of blanket over his pointed head. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and how Spider-Man couldn't tell that, I don't know. <laughs> but we could, you know, as the audience. We knew what was happening. And that scene is so cool in the fire. Ah, I love it. No one says no to me. Yeah. Like, oh, God. He's intimidating. Goblin is fucking scary in this movie. Uh, I think that's right after that is Thanksgiving. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Because that's when they meet and that's when he kind of finds out. Yeah. The blood, that touch is so cool. And the blood comes from the ceiling because Spider-Man's hanging up on the ceiling. And when he got s- struck by that little bomb thing, that blade thing, and that's when Willem Dafoe sees the blood on the ground and it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> those eyes. Oh, those eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love just Norman getting up to, like, the elevator. You can see in his eyes, like, the goblin is taking over. Like, Norman Osborn is losing. Yeah. And yeah. I love when he walks in. He's like, sorry I'm late. Work was murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. 
Uh, he's just a total fucking dick to oh. Mary Jane. Yeah. yeah, do what you need to with her, then broom her fast. <laughs> oh my god. And Harry's like, doesn't say anything, and she's pissed that he didn't stick up for her, as she should be. And, and he's like, I'd be lucky to become half the man my father is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does. Yep. <laughs> sure enough. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough one. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, not, not the best holiday. <laughs> Uh, not the best holiday. I feel bad for uh, for May. She's just like, what? Yeah. All these men are fucking disgusting. And uh, what, what does Peter say? He's I had to. He's something about old woman yeah. with a cane. I had to beat an old woman with a stick to get these cranberries. Yeah, he yeah. just has this little can of cranberries. Yeah. And then you know his his excuse for the big cut is that like he got clipped by a bike messenger and Norman's like, I'd just say that happened again. Yeah. It's like bike messenger knocked me down. Yeah. It's like a. <laughs> So great. And that's when Norman and the Goblin have a talk of like, Norman's like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And the Goblin's like, you're going to do it, Osborne. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> Excellent. I love that so much. I, I do. I do wonder about when his, uh, his, uh, Dr. Strom dies. Yeah. How do they not like take him into the questioning? <laughs> there was no follow up on that. They don't have cameras in that place. <laughs> To see that he fucking choked him and threw him against glass? A little weird. Well, he probably disabled the cameras because what he was doing was super legal. That's true. That's true. He yeah. probably did. He's a smart guy. Yeah. And the goblin probably did everything he had to do to cover everything up, right? And then he's just laying on the ground. He looks like he's drunk as shit when Harry finds him. He's just laying on, on the ground. <laughs> I always wondered. I was like, oh, how, how did the police not take him in for questioning about the murder? Well, anyone who was going to investigate Norman Osborn was killed when he bombed the board, the, like at the par- at the parade. That's so true. He wiped out all his competition. Uh, yeah, took over the company. So now that Goblin knows who Spider Man is, he attacks his heart, goes after Aunt May, freaks her out with her prayers. Oh, so good. <laughs> And then uh, kidnaps MJ after MJ and Peter have a nice moment. Oh, we 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 left out all the moments with Spider Man and MJ. Yeah, they do. They do have some some lovely moments, right? And that's that the main one being at the hospital when he thinks May is asleep, but she's really listening. And they have that they have that wonderful moment. And then yeah, of course he saves her multiple times. And he saves her from the parade, you know. And he saves her when she's in the street, and yep. that's when they have the kiss, the Spider-Man, the famous Spider-Man kiss where he's upside down. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is lovely. It's not revolutionary or anything, but it, it's big for their storyline. Yeah. Ultimately, the three Spider-Man movies are a love story. Ultimately, they're that's what they're kind of uh, embedded in, right? Is, yeah. is them two. Well, it's a sweet moment, of, and then Harry walks in on them holding hands, and is like, I better go. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you fuck. Yeah. And tells Norman, like, you were right. She loves Peter. And I, uh, Norman's like, you know, I've been a great father to you, but I want to be better. And they have a moment. They do. Yeah. Harry and Norman, it's almost like Peter, if Peter didn't exist in their life, their relationship would be so much better, right? Because Norman's just like, my son's a loser. <laughs> and Peter's so fucking smart that it, it causes this strain. And I really do think that they there's something between them that's kind of cool. They have they have a cool bond every now and again, but for the most part, he's just kind of a dick to his son, and that sucks. So those moments are sweet. Yeah, I wonder if that was the last bit of Norman left. Like mm. that was it, and then the goblin just took over. Yeah, 
Game over. Yeah. yeah. The goblin's like, fuck you. Because going forward, there is no more Norman Osborn. Avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he kidnaps MJ, goes to the bridge, and like takes a trolley car full of kids and MJ and is like, gotta make a choice, hero, and drops them both. I wonder what those kids were thinking when Peter immediately beelined for MJ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he saved everybody, but they didn't know that. No, they didn't. They didn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So he saves everybody, and then Goblin starts fucking him up. And I love when New York rallies together and is like, "Hey, you mess with a bunch of kids? Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Hey, you mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. New York. Hey, <laughs> it's like you guys are one of the most divided cities in the entire <laughs> fucking world. <laughs> you know." Uh, but you guys stick together over Spider-Man. Okay. Well, they, they included that scene because this came out right after 9-11. So they wanted yeah. to do kind of a... Yes, un- a unity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And it's a good moment where Goblin like, takes a pipe to the head at one point. That's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you get the final fight between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin where oh, Goblin just fucks him up. Epic. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite. Admittedly, the, the Spider-Man-Doc Ock final fight is just kind of underwhelming. Yeah, this fight is fucking badass. Yeah. Goblin kicks the shit out of him. I mean, he grabs him, he f- is, flies him from the water, and just flings him into a wall, and just starts fucking him up, kneeing him in the face. Like, and he should have been dead. He really should. Spider Man should have been dead. I don't know what was protecting him. His mask is off. He's ble- bleeding all over the place. I love when Goblin pulls out that like trident and is gonna. It says like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill MJ slowly. Yeah, and he's like, nope. And like me and MJ, we're gonna have a hell of a time. I like to think that it's Peter who beat the Green Goblin. Like right there, it's like no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he knows. You know, uh, they both know that they both know, right? Uh, well, Peter knows that Goblin knows it's him. It's Peter. Yeah, he doesn't Peter know. Doesn't it's- know it's. Hey, uh, Norman yet. Not yet. Yeah, he, until he takes off the mask and he's like, hey, like a son to me. Yeah. You killed those people. The goblin killed them. I didn't do it. That, 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 the, the production, all of that, the design of all that is really cool. And I would love to have been there for that because you have really cool stuff where the, the wall, when the wall falls onto Norman, he's like, ah! <laughs> I know when the, when the hand comes through the bricks, that's like fucking, that's evil dead. That's, that's the evil, evil dead, dead poster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so cool and he's like ah get me out of here and spider-man just fucks him up like they just take turns destroying each other and i i love this scene the spidey sense tingling when the glider and he fucking does the matrix shit over it norman's just like oh (laughs) yeah i love that i also love when norman is well it's it's at this point it's green goblin acting like norman yeah and it's green goblin going like oh I was like a father to you. Be like a son to me. And then he says, Godspeed, Spider-Man. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that. The Godspeed line is so good. And, and then, the yeah, then the glider comes right at him and hits him, like, in the worst area possible. Yeah, in the dick. Yeah, like, right <laughs> right in the tech. Like, all of the, the private parts just get annihilated right there. And he bleeds to death. Yeah. Oh, God. But then in the last second... Norman takes over and tells him, don't tell Harry. Like, those are his last words. Yeah. Goblin wouldn't give a shit. No. Norman's like, don't let my son know what I was. Yeah. Like, that's that's wonderful. He finds out eventually. Yeah. But <laughs> but he doesn't need to know now. Yeah. Let him process it. And then, of course, that's when we get the the great ending of, and Spider-Man, why he didn't put something over his face is beyond me when he takes Norman back to the Osborne house and he lays him down. So he, like, undressed him. Got him all comfortable, so, you know, the dead body of, of Norman, and laid him down on that couch. 
And that's when Franco, when uh, Harry grabs the gun and he's gone before he can even shoot. And then we have the funeral scene, yeah. which is fantastic. The funeral scene is great. I love that. I love, I love from Harry's telling him, I swear in my father's grave, I'm going to make Spider-Man pay to Peter going over to Ben's tombstone. And then MJ admitting to him, I like, I love you. And he's like, I, I don't have time for that. I'm fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. I can't, I can't put that on you. Well, I love her, her realization in the kiss where she has a moment of like, wait a minute. Oh shit. <laughs> That's him, isn't it? Yeah. He's Spider-Man. He's the one who's been saving me all this time. Yeah. I love that this is one of the few funerals in movies I've seen that's not in the fucking rain. And yeah. Yeah. It's a nice like fall day where yeah. like the leaves are all over the place. Yeah. And also I love when Harry tells Peter, thank God for you. Just like Norman said, it's like, that's a hint that we're going to see the goblin again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. So good. Just sticks to landing this movie. Oh God. You know, and, and you have him, the narration from Tobey Maguire. At, uh, at the end and he's like with great power comes great responsibility the part that, that shit's great then you get a little montage of P- spider-man flying through the city oh, yeah. and then we get chad kroger's hero yes fuck dude. yes yeah <laughs> oh that's the that's the nickelback guy right yeah yeah, yeah. i awesome. love that i love that damn song i hate nickelback <laughs> but that song is pretty cool <laughs> Chad's a fucking douche, but that song, <laughs> that song works. <laughs> He's a hero. He's a hero. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, great movie. Yeah. God damn. That, that song keeps this film firmly in 2002, but yes, whatever. And and, and then Spider-Man 2, there's some soundtrack moments where you're like, it's yeah. 2004. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So here's some film guys and facts for Spider-Man. Uh, number one, the first film, this was the first film ever to gross $100 million in its opening weekend alone. Even adjusted for inflation, that had never happened before. <laughs> Beautiful. Insane. Number two, Hugh Jackman revealed he was supposed to have a cameo as Wolverine. He showed up in New York to film the scene. Oh, the entire plan was scrapped when the crew could not get access to the Wolverine costume from X-Men because Fox were a bunch of assholes. Ugh. We don't get, we don't get nice things. I, yeah, I can't handle that. Thinking about that gives me, almost gives me anxiety, <laughs> you know? And and knowing that we didn't get it. <sighs> yeah, what a bummer. Uh, but now, you know, it's all one big happy again. So now we will get that at some point, I'm sure. Uh, number three, this was weird. When uh, At one point on set, James Franco joked about Tobey Maguire's, quote, frog-like features. Uh McGuire was super pissed about this. This created friction between the two actors, which led to an existing rivalry that continues to this day. Like, how petty can you be? Your co-star says you kind of look like a frog, and you carry that for 20 years? I, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I believe it, though, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a, that, that is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe that it would be said, and I believe that it would cause that tension between these two fucking <laughs> these pricks. Oh. <laughs> and finally, number four, this is the bit about the James Cameron version. In 1993, Cameron was hired to rewrite an existing draft for Spider-Man for Carol Co. Pictures. The script was going to feature Liz Allen as Peter Parker's love interest instead of MJ. We met Liz in Spider-Man Homecoming. And the villain was going to be Doc Ock. Unlike the comics... Dr. Otto Octavius was a professor who would be a mentor to college senior Peter Parker, and Otto called himself Professor, professor Octopus. Why bother changing that? 
after his four mechanical arms became fused to his body. During an accident, Octavius turns into Professor Ock when he is bitten in the back of the neck by the same radioactive spider that turns Peter into Spider-Man. And for some reason, this doesn't give Doc Ock spider powers. It welds the arms to his body and makes him crazy. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, to make the film more kid-friendly, uh, Carl Co. Pictures had Doc Ock constantly use the phrase, okie dokie. And Ock had an assistant named Wiener that later kills Uncle Ben. <laughs> Wiener? Yeah. yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger was Cameron's first choice for Doc Ock, and Edward Furlong was being considered for Peter Parker. Uh, I'm so glad this movie didn't happen. It would have been his, we probably wouldn't have Spider-Man movies today. This would have done to Spider-Man what Batman and Robin did to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it. Good God. No, not at all. I hate when a filmmaker decides to tweak little things like turning Doc Ock into Professor Ock. Like, why would you do that? And having him say, and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, oh, (laughs) no. I love Arnie, but no. Yeah. We needed him to make freeze puns in 97. We don't need him to be an octopus. Okie (laughs) dokie. I love that, though. Alfred Molina could pull it off. Okie (laughs) dokie. Jesus. So, the first sequel was 2004 Spider-Man 2, which saw Peter struggle to balance his private life with his superhero life while also battling the psychotic Dr. Octopus played by Alfred Molina. Just as good as the first one. It's an epic. A lot of people consider this to be one of the greatest superhero films of all time. Uh, Molina kills it as Doc Ock. Has that same kind of dual personality thing that uh, Defoe has as a Green Goblin. Um, It's a really cool movie. The... um, Mechanical arms were mostly practical effects, which is really cool. Very little CGI, except when they absolutely had to. I miss when that was the case. Me too, man. Oh, man. The best thing about these is is how they've aged, right? Yeah. They're they're definitely 2002, 2004, 2007, but very watchable today. There's other movies from that era that are lost. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, then there was 2007 Spider-Man 3, which saw Peter un- unleash his dark side when he's infected by the Venom symbiote and hunts down Sandman and the new Green Goblin. Thomas Hayden Church played Sandman, Topher Grace played Venom, and James Franco got to play the new Green Goblin. There's elements of this movie that are really good, but overall, it's nowhere near the first two and is a real disappointment. Yeah, it's it's messy. It's very messy, and disorganized, mismanaged. I do, I, I, I love some moments from that, that movie, though. Uh, I think, like, the first 30 minutes to an hour, I really, really, really like. And it starts getting sloppy. And yeah. You can feel it. You well, can feel it coming. Studio interference was a big part of this one. Um, they really, they forced Raimi to put Venom in this movie. He didn't want to do that. He just wanted to have New Green Goblin and Sandman, which really, you take Venom out of this thing, it's, it, it would work. Yeah. Topher, sorry, bud. No way. Just, no, you, 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 you don't have the chops. And Bryce Dallas Howard mm. as Gwen Stacy. The character of Gwen Stacy got butchered by this movie. I mean, first off, why have her in this movie at all? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer. I think his decision to kiss her in front of MJ was fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, why would you do that to her? And her just, you know, not telling him about being fired from the play and, like, hooking up with Harry and all this shit. It was just out of character. Yeah, not only is the movie sloppy, but the characters are acting sloppy. Yeah, the only one who comes out of this thing unscathed is Sandman. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Thomas Hayden Church. God, I love that guy. He's great. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I watched a uh, part of George of the Jungle recently. Nice. Forgot how really kind of terrible that movie is. Yeah. <laughs> but Thomas Hayden Church is the bad guy. Lyle Vandergroot. And he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> you should see, um, uh, fuck, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. You see, he plays a big role in that movie later on in the movie. Oh, good. And it's, it's like, you, you wonder where he's been, and you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> he's still got it. He still fucking has it. That's great to hear. Yeah, he's he kind of just disappeared. Yeah, I'm okay. hoping he. I'm hoping he plays Sandman again in the new one. It's kind of uh, rumored. I know. I'm wondering if it's just going to be like CGI big sand cloud, or if we're, we're going to actually see him. I hope so. Yeah, that, that's one of the things we are. We know what's coming with some of it, right? And yeah. we know that Alfred Molina is back with Hello, Peter. Mm-hmm. We know Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin. There's, there's things we, we know we're expecting, but there's those going to be those little surprises, and I hope that's one of them. True. Uh, the film is rebooted in 2012 with The Amazing Spider-Man, with Andrew Garfield cast as the new Spider-Man who takes on the Lizard. It's not bad. There's a sequel which sees Spidey take on Electro, another Green Goblin, and briefly the Rhino. Uh, they were teasing a Sinister Six movie we never got, which is probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in those hands, Yeah. <laughs> It was rebooted again in 2017 with Spider-Man Homecoming, a spinoff of Captain America Civil War, which saw Tom Holland's Spider-Man take on the Vulture. Awesome. Michael Keaton kills it as the Vulture. Oh, yeah. The sequel to this one sees Spidey take on Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Awesome. And the next sequel comes out on Friday, sees Spidey take on Spider-Man villains from other universes, particularly Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman, and the Lizard from the other movies. There may be more surprises. Venom might pop up in this thing. Vulture might show up again. Who the fuck knows? The sky's the limit, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've done so well to not only not only make this movie like highly anticipated just because they're going to bring all the, this, this stuff into play, but it fits within what Marvel's doing, a, a, a big picture. The multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. They've, they've really, with Loki, you know, I'm bringing in Doctor Strange the way they've done and Things are just coming into play where there, there's eventually, the next few years, there's going to be no fucking rules and they're going to do whatever they want. Dude, I, awesome. I want that so I want them to be able to pick and choose from past movies what they want to keep. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. I'd love to, like, have Michael Fassbender play Magneto again. Things oh, like that. Christ. Like, anything's on the table now. I mean, yeah. there's a good to fair chance we're going to see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man again in this movie. It's nothing confirmed, but there's a good chance. <sighs> it's it's crazy. Chills. I know. Chills. <laughs> This is what superhero movies should have always been, right? Yeah. Is continuity, keep the same people, learn your lessons, pull things that are good, and leave the things that are bad. Well, I've always seen them as just a big, fat sandbox, and you're there with your box of toys doing whatever the fuck you want. That's what it should be. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's wonderful. This is, I've said this many times, that this is the best time to be a geek. We are seeing things we've never yeah. seen before, and like we got geeks in the positions of power to make this shit happen now, which is so great. Correct. Geeks have the money now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah beautiful i give spider-man a nine it's probably my favorite spider-man movie remains one of my all-time favorites it's it's a great movie yeah same nine for me definitely my favorite spider-man but i love it this one and two they just they're they're in one and two i love 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 these movies could talk about them all day obviously <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah thanks for listening everybody uh, this was a great one if you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm@gmail.com. Send us a message through the socials. Uh, check out the website, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, all sorts of shit every day. Uh, 
want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate any and all donations, but it's not necessary. We hope you just enjoyed the show. Next week, since it's Christmas week, we're tackling a Christmas-themed horror movie at co-host Kayla Leger's request. A crazy orphan in a Santa suit goes on a killing spree in 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for that crazy-ass film. I haven't seen it yet, but I am looking forward to it. Caleb's been plugging this thing since we started the podcast. Like He's wanted to do this at, on Christmas forever, so we're finally doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's probably going to suck, but I don't care. It's going to be fun. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, don't miss Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse on Oscar Sunday, and of course, Spider-Man No Way Home, among others, on Monday's sneak preview. Until then, don't test any experimental performance enhancers on yourself, try to avoid any spider bites, and keep watching movies. 